Christmas morning is always a little different at our house, and I like it that way. Grace, Grace loves to sleep in, and, and, and that's wonderful. And then Connor, he loves to sleep. We all, they all love to sleep in. I, I'm usually the one that's up first. Uh, but Connor, you know, Connor doesn't really understand all the fuss of opening the presents. Once, once we get him started, you know, once you kind of help him with that first one, he sees there's something in there for him, uh, that he'll, he'll change and he, he'll kind of come out of his shell and he'll start opening them. But, uh, but between the two of them, we could do this at two o'clock in the afternoon and they would be just fine with that. There, there's no need to get up early and open the presents. They'll be there when we get there. It's no big deal. And, and I love it, especially because I know I tortured our parents with 3 a.m. wake-ups, insisting that they get up so that we could open our presents and then go back to bed afterwards. We don't, we don't have a lot of Christmas traditions at our house. We have more like Christmas necessities. And one of those necessities as we're unwrapping presents, Trish usually will be the one who will call out and say, somebody go get a garbage bag. And we have one big garbage bag and we just start throwing all of the wrapping paper in that garbage bag. And as the presents are unwrapped, they all, all the wrapping paper, hopefully just the wrapping paper, goes into the garbage bag. And then over the next few days, there's the boxes. You know, you get all those boxes left over from Christmas. And what I like to do is find the biggest box and then start breaking down all the other boxes and putting them into the big box. So I've got all of these empty boxes and suddenly I have one box that's full of empty boxes because our house is now full of gifts. And it seems like that's a balance that Christmas brings. There's a balance between empty and full in the Christmas story. There was no room in the, in the inn because the inn was full and so they went to the stable. They went to the, the stable was empty. Uh, you look at the nativity scene itself, it's full of shepherds and wise men and an angel and animals. There's even a dragon back there, a red dragon. And the manger is filled with God's gift and our hearts are filled with His love never to be emptied again. We've spent the last four weeks looking at Christmas not from the perspective of Bethlehem, but from a perspective before the beginning of time, a perspective of eternity. And so today I want to turn once more to that place that Jesus has always occupied, uh, that place that He occupies in eternity, and see how He emptied Himself so that we could know Him fully, and at the same time how we could fill each other with His love. We're going to be in Philippians 2 today. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. We're going to be mostly on page 981 in those blue Bibles in front of you. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Paul begins there in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself. He made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 
God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What we have there in verses 6-11 through 11 is very likely not original to Paul, but is probably a very, very early Christian hymn, something that they would have sung as they gathered in worship. And as you listen to the words of, the, of that hymn, it's about equal parts Christmas and Easter as it comes together. And at the center, we find Jesus. And we see how Jesus emptied Himself at His birth. That last Sunday in November, the Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, I shared with you about a poll that was taken last year, a poll that was taken of American adults asking them what they believed about Jesus. And some of it was encouraging. 75% of American adults believe that Jesus is a real person who was actually born somewhere around 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. 75% of American adults believe Jesus is an actual person who was born somewhere in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. That's encouraging. But then there were other things that were a little concerning. Only 41% believe that Jesus, the Son of God, existed prior to His birth in Bethlehem. That He is, in fact, an eternal. That He is, in fact, one with God. And what have we seen this month as we've dug into what our Bible says about Jesus in eternity? We looked at John chapter 1, verse 1. Long before Bethlehem, John chapter 1, verse 1 begins where Genesis begins. In the beginning, in the beginning we find the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. We went to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, in those things visible and invisible. We went to Hebrews last week, chapter 1, verse 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of His nature. And again and again, what we've seen through these passages is that that baby in the manger is eternal. That baby in the manger is the uncreated Creator. That baby in the manger is God. So what happened? How does that work? How does God not just become man, but how does God become a baby? A helpless speechless, sometimes stinky baby. How does God do that? How does God submit to the care of, of failing human parents? How does God submit to breathing air that's full of microbes and nasty stuff? Well, let me tell you, I don't know. I have no idea how God does that. How does He do that and still remain God? I, I don't know. But what I read... I read what Paul shares with us here and, and I, it makes me wonder all the more. Again, verse, verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I hear this and I realize this God, he let go of everything that he was he allowed Himself to be emptied so that you and I might know Him fully. 
empty and full. There they are. They're both in the Christmas story. Empty shepherds living on the outskirts of society suddenly filled with joy. An empty sky filled with the heavenly host. God Himself emptying Himself of His very nature. His self-sufficiency so that the world can be filled with His presence. And that we might know Him fully and share Him with others. And as this ancient hymn that Paul shares with us goes on, what we hear is that downward move of God coming ever and ever closer to us, emptying Himself, not just in His birth, but emptying Himself in His death. One overarching theme we see in the life of Jesus is humility. Uh, We see His humble attitude. We see the humble circumstances of His life. We sing away in a manger. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down His sweet head. And then we come, and then of course it doesn't end there. No crib for a bed becomes in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus' own words. Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then we come to the story of his death death on a cross, a death reserved for thieves, a death reserved for enemies, for the lowest of the low. But even here, God is at work. Even here, God continues to move closer and closer to us. We come to verse 8, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It feels wrong to speak of death at Christmas. And yet it's always there. The, the presence of death is always there. We, you know, we've had several in our circle for whom death has been very present this Christmas. And they need our comfort and support. People who need us to check in on them and make sure they're doing okay. But we don't celebrate the birth of Jesus without an awareness of His death also. We will sing the song, Ring the Bells, one more time today. And when we sing, Ring the Bells, we sing that line, Born to die, that man might live. He emptied Himself in His birth. He emptied Himself in His death. But that's not all. You know, Luke begins the story. He begins the story of Jesus. The manger is full. By the way, probably not a manger like we have in our nativity, that wooden that little wooden thing that we see. Most likely a, a manger cut out of the side of a rock. A, a little trough cut out of the side of the rock that, that feed would have been placed in and that Jesus was placed in. Luke begins, the manger is full, but Luke ends with the tomb empty. The tomb cut out of rock, right? Where Jesus' body had been laid just as it had been laid in the manger. And in the middle of those two stories, we have the cross. The cross for you. The cross for me. The cross that He went to for our sins. The cross that He went to for those things that in us had emptied us of God's presence, had emptied us of God's peace so that He could fill us with forgiveness, so that He could fill us with Himself. And so this emptying and filling that we see over and over again points us to the good news that the God that we confess empties Himself to fill us with His love. The Christmas story tells us there was no crib. The Christmas story tells us there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus Himself tells us that there was no place to lay His head. And when we come to His death, He has no tomb of His own. He has to borrow a tomb from His friend. 
It's a horrible story. It's a destitute story. But where does it end? Verse 9, Philippians 2.9, Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. It ends with Him being filled and with us being filled with His gift. Us being filled with His love. And we can't miss why Paul has shared this song with us. We go back to verse 5. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It seems that Paul was confronting some selfishness in the, in the church there in Philippi. Some selfishness that he saw among the believers in that church. And he confronts them with the very nature of Jesus. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, have the same attitude as Jesus. For all of us who have problems with our attitude every now and then, have the same attitude as Jesus. That attitude, that love that sent Him into the world, that humble birth that sent Him to serve and sent Him to the cross, that same love continues to send us to each other. I love how, I love how that expresses itself in this season. I love how giving is such a part of this season and sharing and reaching out. And Some of you have felt free to tell me some stories this year, and I love that. You've told me stories about your own humble generosity. And I can tell you this, there are families in our community, there are families in our area, there are families out there and individuals out there who are celebrating because people in this church reached out. They're celebrating today because people in this church reached out. You brought gifts. You shared love. You showed that you cared. The mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ led you to give and to give of yourself and to empty yourself out and to fill others with His love. God in a manger. God on the cross. How does it work? I don't know. <laughs> I'll never understand it. But I will always confess it. I think about those 41% who, who just said they don't believe that Jesus existed prior to His birth. They don't believe what the Bible says about the eternal nature of Jesus. His pre-existence, His eternal nature, His union with the Father. And I wonder this, I wonder have we made, have we made our understanding of something equal to it being true? Have we made our understanding of something a prerequisite to believing it? And I wonder, can we... Can we confess faith in things that we can't begin to wrap our heads around? Boy, I sure hope so. I sure hope we can confess faith in things that we can't completely understand. Paul's hymn begins with Jesus emptying Himself, but in the end, he, it ends with Him filled. Verse 9, Therefore God, having highly exalted Him, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a glorious image here. The highest name in all creation, higher than all created things, the One who upholds the universe, who is one with the Father, that name on high, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing, 
God in the manger. God on the cross. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, sharing His love. Let's make sure that the love we share with others gives them reason to confess as well. We don't come to His... We don't even dare come to Christmas without recognizing His death, without recognizing His sacrifice that He's given to us. Connor, it's a short sermon. You're going to be home pretty soon. And so we gather not just to remember His birth, but to remember all that He gave us. Christmas reminds us of just how far God is willing to go to love us. To come to earth. The cross reminds us of just how far God is willing to go. And the empty tomb reminds us of just how far He's willing to go for us. Let me pray. We're going to sing a very familiar song. Father, we love You. Thank You so much for the amazing gift You've given to us in Your Son. And in my Son also. Father, we thank You for the joy of this season. Most of all, we thank You for the hope that we know through You. Lord, we will never completely understand it. We will never wrap our minds around what You went through to come to us. Lord, we know that in Your kingdom, in Your heaven, we will have eternity to know You. Eternity to, to, to try to sort it out. We thank You that it starts today. Thank You for the bread that represents the body broken, the blood that represents, uh, the, the, the cup that represents the blood shared. And I thank You, Lord, that we share this today in hope. Um, in full uh, hope of your, of your gift and of the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.